pardon the delay in getting things ready here. Yeah, I think this should be right here. Did anybody already get one? Uh, okay, got it. One sheet. Okay, we'll be on lesson number two in our new study that we started last week on uh, specifically talking about the Holy Spirit and then His ministry in our lives and living beyond your capacity. And then this lesson kind of kind of really starts getting into that specifically. Um, again, this is lesson number two. And it's on his sanctifying ministry and that. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and pray before we, before we jump in here. Lord, I thank you for this evening. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to, to be in your house. And um, just think of the lesson that we'll be looking at tonight. Just again, continuing our, our study of the Holy Spirit and just his work in our lives. And uh, it's his sanctifying ministry and this... Uh, this is a good lesson um, here, and, uh, encouraging and convicting at the same time, and I pray that we'd be able to be, be focused and uh, just be able to stay attentive to your word, that it would just work in our hearts and lives tonight um, and for some lasting change, if nothing else, just an encouragement just to allow you to, to work in our lives. In Jesus' name we do pray, amen. Okay, were there any leftover handouts, Brother John? Were there any? Oh, all right. I guess we had. No, but you have some extras here tonight. I guess that's probably why. Okay. So the two verses, um, kind of our text, two verses for this evening are, are Romans eight twenty nine and then John seventeen seventeen. And then, um, someone wants to volunteer to read the first. I'll read the second. Anybody? Pastor. First one's Romans eight twenty nine. So whenever you get there. You can read that and then I'll read the second one here. Among many brethren. This is John seventeen seventeen. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And that word sanctify, again, you see that in the, the 
lesson title this evening. You see that in the second verse. You don't see it in the first, but the principle is definitely there, which we'll be talking about um, this evening. After salvation, God calls us to holy living, and the Holy Spirit desires to sanctify us or set us apart to holiness. He lives within us, giving us the power we need for the daily process of sanctification. And the power of the Holy Spirit is available to each Christian for the ongoing process of living a sanctified life. And as we learn how to yield to Him, we can access that power that's available to us for holy living on a daily basis. So some goals to, for the lesson this evening is, number one, that we would seek to be holy for God's holy. And then number two, to develop an awareness of the promptings of the Holy Spirit to make changes in their life, in our lives that result in holy living. And number three, that we would consciously avail ourselves of the power of the Holy Spirit to enable us to that. And then number four, that really we would just thank God every day for his help of the Holy Spirit living in our lives. So let's jump right in here. There's only two points tonight, so be happy about that, but there's uh, some subpoints under each one, but only two main points tonight. On a cold and wintry December 16th, 1944, nearly 600,000 American soldiers began a five-week fight that would be the single largest and bloodiest battle of World War II, famously known as the Battle of the Bulge. What began as a secret, massive German offensive near the small country of Luxembourg would end in victory for the Allies. In the fighting, American troops suffered approximately 81,000 casualties, including 19,000 deaths. Near that battle site, there's a 50-acre plot of ground known as the Luxembourg American Cemetery and Memorial, where there are more than 5,000 white crosses that fill the landscape. People visit from all over the world to remember those who gave their lives for our freedom. It's a beautiful place, meticulously maintained, perfectly manicured, and distinctly serene and peaceful. And in contrast to the battle it memorializes, it's strikingly calm and tranquil. This is just one of 24 American cemeteries on foreign soil. And each one is a hallowed ground where thousands of fallen soldiers are remembered. Each one is set apart, sanctified. Each plot of land represents the payment of American blood and stands set apart for that particular sacred purpose of honoring that sacrifice. In much the same fashion, when the miracle of salvation occurred and the Holy Spirit indwelled your life, you were born into God's family. You became his precious treasured child. By God's grace, he has set you apart, chosen you to live a life that pleases him and honors the sacrifice of the blood of Christ on your behalf. Just as thinking of the thousands of lives represented in that Luxembourg cemetery stirs within us a, a great desire to live honorable lives as Americans, even so, the sacrifice of Christ 
should compel us to live our lives to honor Him. In a very practical sense, the Holy Spirit desires to make the inner work of salvation visible in your outward lifestyle and daily choices. He desires to change you from the inside out and use you in this life for His eternal purpose. In short, you are special. Once you belong to God, He desires to set you apart, to sanctify you and use you by His Spirit. The biblical word sanctify, of course, as we've already talked about, it means make holy, pure, to consecrate, set apart. Now, while all our sins were paid for on the cross, we, and we stand righteous and forgiven before God positionally, we still wake up every day and face a struggle with sin. In this struggle, God calls us to holy living, and His Spirit desires to continually purify us. And after you're saved, you're no longer who you used to be. Therefore, your Heavenly Father doesn't want you to act like you used to act. Thankfully, He doesn't leave us alone in the quest for daily holiness and purity. His Holy Spirit lives within us, enabling the everyday process of sanctification. In other words, the Holy Spirit doesn't stop working at salvation. His work continues every moment of every day in transforming us into the image of Christ, as Pastor read in Romans 8, 29. The Christian life is too hard for us to live alone. It's beyond our capacity. It must be lived in dependency upon the Spirit, and it must be a supernatural work from within. So let's little more closely examine this sanctifying work, how God goes about setting us apart to live lives that are well-pleasing to Him. So no, point number one, we have the Holy Spirit, something our sins, or with an R, reveals. The Holy Spirit reveals our sin. God's Spirit knows us better than we can possibly know ourselves. He can reveal to us things about our hearts and lives that we would otherwise never see. It brings to mind verse in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 17:9. Heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? So, subpoint A, the Holy Spirit starts with an S. searches. The Holy Spirit searches. Seeing something up close lets us examine it more closely. Now, for ladies who are meticulous about their skin and facial care, magnifying mirrors are a powerful resource. Living with the Holy Spirit inside of us can provide the same kind of magnification experience on a spiritual level. The Holy Spirit searches the heart and reveals things we never saw before. In essence, He uncovers flaws and imperfections that we never cared about. And He does that for the express purpose of purifying and sanctifying our hearts and lives. Um, 1 Corinthians 2, 10-11. If you want to start that, Pastor. But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea... 
the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a, of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. We should daily ask the Holy Spirit of God to search our hearts and reveal to us that which would keep us from living sanctified lives for His honor and glory. You know, may we say with the psalmist again, you're familiar with the verses, Psalm 139, 23 and 24, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and, and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. This brings us to sub-point B, the Holy Spirit, search the C, convicts. Holy Spirit convicts. As we saw in the previous lesson, one of the Holy Spirit's primary ministries is to reprove. The word reprove means to, um, to convict, to refute, to confute, to, generally with the suggestion of shame on the person convicted. It means to bring to light, to expose, to find fault with, to correct. And just as the Holy Spirit convicted us of our need of a Savior, His convicting work goes on every day in our hearts. When allowed to freely work in our hearts, the Holy Spirit will prick our conscience every time we do something wrong. Conviction is a privilege. It's none other than the voice of the Holy Spirit compelling us to turn from sin and to make our hearts right with our Heavenly Father. Conviction means that God's working in us. You know, it's not uncommon to hear about people attending a church service or Sunday school and wondering how the preacher or teacher knows all about their sin. Now, we've, heard, we've all heard about those you know, who wrongfully accuse spouses of tattling to the preacher right before the sermon. No, they ask, no, how did you know? The fact is, those preachers and teachers usually don't have a clue about each personal situation. However, they prayed and studied God's Word in preparation for that lesson or message, and then the Holy Spirit used that lesson as an opportunity to teach His children. It would be impossible for a teacher or preacher to make personal application for every listener. But the Holy Spirit does exactly that. And the Holy Spirit always speaks much more personally on the inside than a preacher or teacher ever could on the outside. Conviction is a gift. It's the Holy Spirit of God warning us away from a path that would ultimately hurt us. It's God's early warning system and protection in our lives after salvation. From the earliest moments of your Christian walk throughout the rest of your life, you must make a daily decision about how to handle the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You either respond to it or reject it, surrender to it or silence it. Many harden their hearts, resist the conviction, and just eventually come to a place of being past sensitivity. The Bible refers to this hardness of heart as a seared conscience. And then the verse there, 1 Timothy 4.2. When it comes to sin, 
You can't simply adhere to the age-old advice to follow your conscience. The problem with that advice is that most people follow a conscience like someone following a wheelbarrow. They direct it wherever they want it to go and then follow behind it. Think about that analogy. Kind of true. You must instead endeavor to respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit as he reveals your sin to you. Every time you do respond to the Holy Spirit's conviction, you invite him to continue working in your life, to continue transforming you. But every time you resist or reject that conviction, your heart becomes calloused and less able to hear him. Don't go down that road. Don't ever get to the place in life when you stop desiring and appreciating the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your heart. And it's not always fun. It is not always fun. Subpoint C, the Holy Spirit starts with a T. Teaches. The Holy Spirit teaches. In John 14, Jesus was about to be crucified. And he was preparing his disciples for not only the crucifixion, but also his resurrection and ascension to heaven. He was preparing them to continue on, though he would not physically be with them. Understandably, this was hard for them to grasp at the time. Throughout the chapter, Jesus tells them that God will send the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, to be with them after he departs. John 14, 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. In a subsequent chapter, which is chapter 16 of the Gospel of John, Jesus actually says that it's expedient or better for him to go away so that the Holy Spirit could come. John 16, 7. Jesus talked about the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit on more than one occasion here in his earthly ministry. Verse 13 of John 16. Now be it when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. Many years later, the Apostle John wrote of this same truth. First John 2. 27. The Holy Spirit is a teacher. It's his responsibility to help you understand God's word. And since he's searching you and convicting you, he knows exactly how to take the Word of God and perfectly apply it to your heart in ways that no human being ever could. That's His work. He teaches. What an incredible thought. Living in your heart right now as a teacher who desires to guide you into all truth. Every time you read your Bible, hear a message, listen to godly music, enjoy sweet fellowship with Christian friends, you can be listening to His voice and understanding what He's teaching you. 
In every circumstance of life, you have a divine power in you seeking to reveal the truth to you. So that brings us to point number two, is the Holy Spirit something, our sanctification starts with an E. E. That edifies. Starts with an E. That examines. That encourages. <laughs> enables, yes. Holy Spirit. <laughs> Holy Spirit enables our sanctification. And then subpoint A is the Holy Spirit something. Starts with an R. What was that, John? It is RE. Does start with RE. That reproves. Reminds. Reminds. The Holy Spirit reminds. Again, think back to John fourteen twenty six here. It says, but the, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Now consider that phrase, bring all things to your remembrance. A young child had a starring role in the church play, and though he concentrated with all his might, he was stuck. He couldn't remember his next line. His mom, seated on the front row with script in hand, silently mouthed his next words to him to help him remember. And after several times, he finally got it and blurted out triumphantly, My mom is the light of the world. <laughs> in the same way that this mother tries to remind her son, the Holy Spirit is our heavenly reminder. He prompts us to remember truth and to do right. His mission is to lead us moment by moment in the daily details of life, always applying the principles of Scripture to our present circumstances. When we're witnessing, he'll bring verses to mind. When we're facing a tough decision, he will recall principles that apply. When we need wisdom and insight, he will remind us of biblical truths that will guide our steps. Since part of his work in our lives is to remind it is vital that we obey every impulse of the Spirit. It's a simple challenge, but easier said than done. Every day of our lives, the Holy Spirit desires to prompt us and remind us of the little right things we should do along the way. Maybe loving a spouse, nurturing a coworker, sharing Christ, um, as nurturing children, sharing Christ with a coworker, helping a neighbor, Encouraging the pastor, caring for a Christian, sending a note of gratitude to a friend. But regardless of what it is, the Holy Spirit will seek to remind us to apply truth to every situation and to honor God in every daily decision. So subpoint B, the Holy Spirit also starts with an E. Enlightens, yep. We all have blind spots, things we can't see 
about the circumstances we're facing. We all have paradigms that cause our perspective to skew one direction over another. And we've all faced moments when we just didn't know what we needed to know. God has many ways of dealing with such limitations. You know, his word, godly counsel, prayer, etc. And one of them is the Holy Spirit. The Spirit's job is to enlighten us, to reveal to us what we need to know that we didn't know before. It's His ministry to show us the things that everybody else misses. To the undiscerning viewer, people who hear and listen to the Holy Spirit often just appear to be lucky. They seem to make right choices more often. They seem to see risk or danger before others see it. They understand things and connect dots that others entirely miss. In reality, the Holy Spirit is not a good luck charm or some mystical power, but in a very practical and unassuming way, He turns the lights on and brings us into those aha moments. Think about this verse again in this light, John 16, 13. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. The Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. He will give us discernment and wisdom. He applies truth specifically in the moments that we're facing and guides us regarding what we should do. What a wonderful helper. Subpoint so C. The Holy Spirit produces, starts with a G, not gifts, growth. The Holy Spirit produces growth. Now we'll examine these traits more closely in a future lesson, but as part of His sanctifying ministry, the Holy Spirit produces spiritual fruit that grows in our lives. Galatians 5, 22 to 23. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. Meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. This is where the personal life change produced by the Holy Spirit becomes visible and evident in our lives. This is what will cause others around us to pause and say, something's different about you. What happened to you? The Holy Spirit desires to cultivate good qualities in your heart that show up in your life your relationships, and your daily walk. And then subpoint D, the Holy Spirit produces, starts with an H, holiness, yes. The Holy Spirit produces holiness. Holiness is something that many Christians couldn't care less about. It's not even a word we often use in our modern vernacular. Many people think of holiness in terms of arrogance or piety, holier than thou, and while others associate it with you know, charismatic energy or sensationalism, that kind of thing. It's neither. It's a practical word that we should embrace as Christians. 19th century Scottish minister Robert Murray McShaney wrote these words to Dan Edwards, a young missionary about to go to the field. In great measure... According to the purity and perfection of the instrument will be the success. It's not great talents God blesses so much as great likeness to Christ. 
A holy minister is an awful weapon in the hand of God. Read that again. Took me a time or two reading it to get it. It says, in great measure, according to the purity and perfections of the instrument, will be the success. It's not great talents God blesses so much as great likeness to Christ. A holy minister is an awful weapon in the hand of God. Holiness is simply purity from sin. It's the defining attribute of God, and it's his ultimate goal for every one of his children. He desires for you to not only to not only be saved from the penalty of sin, but also pure from the presence of sin in your daily life. This is the pinnacle work of his sanctifying ministry, to lead you away from practicing sin on a daily basis. The result of the work of the Holy Spirit in you will be that you are aware of sin, you deal with sin, and you live to avoid sin. This doesn't mean you will never sin. It means you will sin less and respond biblically before God when you do. And we'll examine that in more detail in a, in a future lesson. Ephesians 5, 8, and 9. <clears throat> For you were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. In 1 Corinthians six nineteen to 20. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. On a practical level, the Holy Spirit will always create a more holy lifestyle. He will guide you into right choices and relationships and away from harmful entertainment and practices. He will help you be an effective steward in every area of your life. So in conclusion, have you ever tried to change yourself? Have you ever began a new year with the fullest of resolutions that fell apart within the first few weeks? Let's face it, whether it's deep spiritual issues of anger or character or more basic habits of daily personal discipline, truly changing ourselves is nearly impossible. Our best efforts usually end in failure and frustration. And for too many, the Christian life is no different. Too many Christians fall into the trap of self-effort. They begin the Christian life by faith in Christ, but then assume the responsibility of self-change, trying to live the Christian life in their own power and effort. This is always a failing proposition. Paul addressed the very same problem with the Galatians. Galatians 3, 3. Are you so, are you, are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? These new Christians had fallen into that trap of self-effort. What began at salvation as a work of the Spirit, they tried to continue in their own strength and power. The sanctifying ministry of the Holy Spirit is phenomenal, but we must avail ourselves of His power if we are to truly see change and growth in our lives. 
His is a life-transforming ministry in every way. But it's vital for us to remember that it's a lifelong work. Philippians 1.6. God began a good work in you by His Spirit, but that work isn't completed overnight. It will take the rest of your life. Frankly, that process can be frustrating at times. It's easy to wish that we could speed up the work of God's Holy Spirit. We want to be more mature, more gracious, more holy now. And it's easy to become impatient with God's internal work of grace. But Philippians 1.6 tells us to live confidently because God's work is progressing in us every day, whether we feel it or not. You'll be tempted to lose sight of the Holy Spirit's sanctifying work. You'll tend to forget that your heart, like that Luxembourg memorial, is sacred ground for God's grace. You'll be tempted to resist the work of the Holy Spirit and to remain in a life of sin and fleshly living in spite of the fact that you're saved. Don't fall into that trap. You are God's child. You are special. And God desires to do a great work in and through you. Live every moment in light of that sanctifying ministry that the Holy Spirit is performing in you. And thank God every day that you are not alone in figuring out life and trying to live the Christian life. Be ever mindful of the fact that you are his masterpiece in progress. So that concludes the, the lesson tonight. So some questions here kind of at the end just to, to review a little bit. Is, um, first one is, when does sanctification take place? You probably could argue there's several different answers to this question. You could argue at salvation, right? And then you could also argue what? It's an ongoing process, right? And then I guess you could argue it's a future proposition, too. And that. Resisting the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God over time will have what effect on you? become like a searing, a callous. Number three, you know, as the Holy Spirit leads us away from practicing sin on a daily basis, will we ever reach a point where we never sin? No. Not in this life. We'll never become sinless, but through following the promptings of the Holy Spirit, we can sin less and respond biblically before God when we do. Number four, according to John 17, 17, what can we do to live a more sanctified life? In his word, and then allowing the Holy Spirit to speak us and change us as a result of that produces a more sanctified life. These next couple um, Ones are uh, like answers are very tight questions, but uh, number five is, no, when was the last time you specifically asked the Holy Spirit to search your heart 
for sin? What could you use to remind yourself to seek his searching and cleansing ministry regularly? That's a dangerous question to ask. Number six, consider one or more times when you resisted or ignored the Holy Spirit in your life. And how did this negatively affect you or someone around you? Then the reverse of that question is the next one. Consider one or more times when you yielded to the Holy Spirit's prompting. How did this positively affect you or someone else around you? And then we can give plenty of examples there. Anybody want to give an example there? Anybody? Anything else? Anybody else? No pressure on any of these, but okay. And then the, the last question here was, the Holy Spirit desires to bring visible spiritual growth into our lives. What growth have you seen in your life over the past three months? And what areas do you hope to grow spiritually through the course of this study on the Holy Spirit? And probably all of us could argue not enough in answer to that question not that. But again, that's for you and God to talk to the answer. So again, just the verse kind of in conclusion here for this lesson there, John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for, um, for the lesson this evening and just um, talking about how the Holy Spirit and His sanctifying ministry of setting us apart and making us more like You, with that being the goal, the Christ-likeness, the image of Christ, and how You um, work on our lives, that You uh, show us our sin, and then You enable our sanctification, but then producing holiness, producing um, just how You work on our lives, Lord. And it's not always pleasant to feel that conviction and that reproof, Um, but please help us to respond to it, help me respond to it, that we wouldn't, um, and and thinking about it in the way of that when we do respond to it, we're inviting you to continue working in our lives, and when we don't respond to it, we're kind of saying go away, and Pray that you would just help us and grow us and produce holiness in our lives. And again, thank you for everyone being able to be here this evening. I ask that you just give us safety as um, we go back to our homes, then bring us back together again on, um, on Wednesday evening. In Jesus' name, amen. And then.